0: I was thinking about uh was it the first John Wick movie where those guys are following him and they've got they've like they're all like armed, they're getting ready to get into it, and he's like turns around like all right, let's just do it. It's just like it's time to start, you know, the firefight, whatever. Oh, good, you hit record, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to
1: Practical Shooting After Dark. We're here to talk about shooting. You guys know the deal. Um on deck tonight we have Mr. Joel Park. Hello. We have Mr. Frank Rizzi. How you doing? And uh, a new, a new face, um, Bill Godbold from got Arkansas. That's right. I pronounced your name correct, didn't I? Yes. All right. It's, no, it's pronounced
2: correct. just like it looks, uh,
1: which confuses a lot of people. It's the, it's it's not it's that it uh, the letters are weird. You you know this. It's not what you'd expect. It's true. Well, I'm not going to lie to anyone. The reason you're on here tonight is because you are funny, honestly. (laughs) I find you amusing. I think other people will find you amusing. Um, Yeah. I don't want to overpromise and have you underdeliver. Right, right. Try to throw in some zingers, if you would. I'll see what I can do. (laughs) Joel, you're shaking your head already.
0: Like, all right, then.
1: (laughs) Well, guys, I'm just going to get the rough stuff out of the way. Oh, great. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, Joel. I'm sorry. Uh, It's a very interesting week. We're headed into the in-person board meeting. Uh, The Howler Monkeys have turned up the pressure on the board. And they're in a very interesting position now because apparently my area director is Rick Steele. He's decided. And this is (laughs) reliably the word that he's... uh, He's changed his mind about. Uh, well, I think he was con- contacted by some very influential people in the in, in the area. <laughs> not me. I'm not one of those people. I'm not influential in this way. Um, but other people are, and they didn't like the way some of these changes were going. So he's he thinks like, hey, this is a bad look, and we got to get this election going.
0: So he received some some peer pressure. You're saying?
1: No, no, that. Uh, I don't know about that it just like feedback from like what the guys in the in the different sections were saying so this this was not feedback by email i guess this would be the more meaningful phone call from guys who respect type of feedback i think is what's going it. i don't know oh okay and i I think the social media feedback is a factor as well probably if i had to guess so it's very interesting so let's uh I'm going to rewind the clock because I see a lot of questions and people are always asking me like, what about this or that? I'll give you guys a kind of a, maybe the last year and a half. When did, uh, when did that Ryan flowers thing go down? Uh, been a while ago, August of 20. That sounds right. A year and a half ago. That's what I thought. Um, okay. So let's rewind the clock to then. Uh, Fully like Phil, when we had Phil on, he talked about this fully kind of changed over the course of uh, being elected. Like his behavior got, his behavior was not great. Um, And that, I think it really culminated. Like the board was trying to like kind of keep him under wraps, but he was kind of getting crazier and crazier. This is just my, my sense of it based on what I've heard, which is what you guys know. I, I try to stay well informed on these things. Um, Anyway, his behavior is getting kind of wild and to the and when I started poking at him about the Ryan, he was in case you don't remember that he was having an exchange with Ryan Flowers on the Internet about something to, and in full. He was complaining about not getting three dollars for USPSA. So I started making fun of him and he didn't like that. So, I mean, what he did was he kicked Ryan Flowers out of the sport. I mean, that wasn't the justification that he used, but that's what he did. And that's why. Um and this was this was what it looked like to me, but this was definitely confirmed after that meeting when when that went down. I actually got a call from this, is this will shock you to learn. I got a call from Bruce One. Wanted to talk about it. Um, because Bruce One, to his credit, the guy's not a complete a-hole, to his credit, he had been fighting the cause for for Ryan Flowers. Like he didn't like the process, he didn't like what Foley was doing. And he told me how much pressure Foley laid down on the board to make that vote happen. I'm talking, like, very nasty things he said, aggressive text messages during a phone meeting, that kind of stuff. Like, Foley burned up all the juice he had with the board to make that vote happen. Now, I don't I don't know if Bruce One realized that at the time or if Foley realized it at the time. But it was based on the conversation I had. I was like, holy shit, like, they're never going to trust this guy again because they felt like they got burned and they got tricked into voting that way or pressured And this, uh, Bill, you follow the bylaws. You saw they reversed this. They did,
2: yeah. Uh, It was a few months ago. At some point, uh, I think early last year, maybe middle of last year, they changed the bylaws to allow for um, suspensions instead of uh, just the one uh, punishment of terminating a membership. And it was at that same time that they reinstated uh ryan's
1: membership i believe or or somewhere around there yeah so anyway um bruce bruce's call revealed a lot to me at the time and i was thinking like the next time Foley fucks up in public like he is toast that's what i was thinking because these guys had had it and it wasn't a few months later the low cap nationals incident happened and then the board said that they were going to do like an official investigation. And I knew <sniffs> Foley was toast. Uh, that's why I thought you might remember for, at the time, Joel, I'm sure you remember this. I came out of the podcast and said repeatedly, I thought they should keep Foley in office because it <laughs> it's makes the board look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's why. I mean, he was toast. So this kind of put... Um, this put the board in the position of like they knew they were gonna have to like take over doing whatever he was doing or put out whatever fires are going on. Like the the investigation was just to give them like legal cover to do what they were doing. I mean, <laughs> obviously. I think the writing was on the wall. So anyway, let's this enter Sherwin. So they Sherwin very director for a long time, Joel.
0: Yes, yeah, like 13. And of the I board members, years.
1: he's he's the one that I've shot with the most, and I and talked with the most by miles. I've squad probably squatted with him a dozen times in fifteen years. And I have to say, he's always like cool to squad with, no issues. He pays non-confrontational. He's like, yeah. No, and I've gotten you guys know I've gotten a lot of shit in my time in USPSA and sure, and like I can always, I can say whatever I want. I can just stand there and like. Hey, I'm mad about this, or hey, I don't like that, or whatever. And he just kind of stands there, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, he hears you out. I mean, he's like, he doesn't. He doesn't argue.
0: He doesn't argue with you about it.
1: No, it's like, so it's like, that's fine. Like, he's a nice, he's a he's a nice dude. Yeah, he doesn't take it personally. I think he I'd probably takes. I don't know how he takes it at all, but, um, but like Sherwin has that very nice demeanor. But, I mean, there's a couple of facts here that are also important, like especially in retrospect, looking back at the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Um, Nothing said to Sherwin ever changes anything at all, ever. So Area 3 is a match that just gets talked about a lot, but there's there's always like the, the props are, I would say, on the extreme end of, you know, what people like and want to deal with it's like the same match every year yeah sometimes there's i don't want to say like it's like unsafe but there's there's issues sometimes on certain props as some guys get hurt whatever there's some criticisms but none of that's it just doesn't matter what anybody says one way or the other it's the same it was the same match it's going to be changed now with the new area director it was the same match every year like that's fact number one like doesn't matter what you say Nothing's going to change. But fact number two about kind of how Sherwin operates, he's a consensus builder on the board. Like he's big about like getting all of them together and kind of working together. So in the situation there, and now I can kind of see why they've decided to do what they did. So you had, we, I don't talk about these people a lot, but I probably should. There's a, a, a pretty substantial contingent of like Foley fans that uh, I can see why I can see why they like Foley. Like he was like never did anything to them or you know, he they had positive personal interactions with him that went fine. Like whatever. He like there's plenty of people that he didn't offend, especially like steel shooters. I mean, like, I don't I think that crowd especially just likes the guy. Um, but he the, the board was in a position, I think, where Foley was going to weaponize those people and did to a certain extent. Like when he saw that he was going to get toasted he started making all sorts of mischief uh like i'm sure threats i think legal threats um like getting and doing crazy stuff like getting a a bunch of people to say they were going to run for president to be requesting stuff from hq to like the the paperwork to to run for president like all sorts of stuff uh so they felt the threat from that direction and you can see that in the bylaw changes where they're locking him out of running again i mean there's a provision in there that if you're if you're were punted from office, you can't you can't you know run for office again. That's why, like they're they're seeing a threat from Foley. Well, that might uh, be the
2: main reason they want the bylaw changes done before the special election.
1: I don't think that's the main reason, as we learned from as we learned uh, from the Bruce One memo, we learned that uh, it is not really the case. I think, um Shuren being the type of like kind of consensus builder he is, and I think he's pretty smart. I would suspect that Bruce one thought like the, the the, battle plan, the Bruce one memo, Bruce one probably thought thinks that's his idea. Maybe it was, but probably even better if Sherwin had him think that's his idea. And there's, you know, not all the personalities on the board are on like necessarily, you know, wanted things to go this direction. There's a few personalities driving the bus. I mean, that's, that's what it looks like to me and the plan as it appears, was to put up like the pretext of like, hey, we're lit. We're soliciting the members for feedback. And like, we have to have to talk about it at the in-person meeting. They have to put it out there for feedback, that kind of stuff. Like there's certain things that they kind of, I think maybe legally they have to do. I don't know. Like there's some things they have to do just to make it look right, but that would kind of all be for show. And that would, you know, And there wouldn't be really any way for anybody to mount opposition to stop it. I mean, that's what it looks like to me. So anyway, uh, I think that plan hasn't really worked. I think, uh, speaking for myself here, I think I've put up a pretty strong opposition and some people don't like what they're seeing here. So now now the board's in an interesting position if there's going to be people on the board voting against this or maybe just trying to initiate the election i don't really know but um i think there's a good way here for them to avoid i don't know like going through with it at this point regardless of what it is or what they think it is how it looks is not good and it's going to i would say alienate a certain percentage of people are just going to look at that be like what the fuck and like never look at it the same way again never look at the kind of the organization the same way again and that's it's not a smart thing to do and I, I don't know. I think I think they're talking to each other behind the scenes. I think they're looking maybe for a way out of this. So I hope they find it.
3: Any comments on that? I assume not. I don't think anyone's gonna wanna touch that shit. Well, I think a good way out of it is, I mean, they've already proposed the, the bylaw changes. So at this point, there are some bylaw changes in there that I think are actually very good. <laughs> So what they should do is vote on the bylaw changes individually as opposed to as a whole. You know, this way, you know, at least some of the good stuff that they proposed in there could actually get changed. You know, the proxy voting, uh, the stuff with the changing the rules, you know, there's some good things in there. I mean, certainly when
1: when they vote on the changes, doing it piece by piece, uh, I think everybody would like that. Like the voters would like that, but. Absolutely. We'll see if it gets done that way. no other comments great you guys have been fun. (laughs) anyway no look just wait for the minutes the minutes from the in-person meeting i think they're going to be very interesting well they could be you you've seen how
2: some of the minutes are i mean some of them have useful information in them and some of them are like in a more like an agenda outline where they don't actually go into anything in any detail
1: yes well (sighs) <sighs> all right anyway Mr. Joel yeah what do you want to talk about sir uh
0: I have a sh- well I guess it's a show and tell but it really doesn't matter um so I have in my hot little hands a 10 folio stock two but the special part about it is I've shot it so much the slides cracked and I basically can't train with it anymore how many um, rounds
1: did you have on that
0: I don't know this has been my main training gun uh i mean as long as i've shot 10 folios I, I really like this gun this is a gun that's got that light springy trigger that you yeah, like yeah. that shoots those those pedo splits anyway um <laughs> the gun's done though and i don't know how to get like i don't have the resource to get a, another slide or whatever so anyway it's just a dry fire it's a dedicated dry fire gun um but the trigger on this is like it's very choice and it's super light and so it was my, my main dry fire gun that ben if you see your face that can't be the situation so this gun with a super nice trigger that I really, really like, I needed to make it heavier. And I put, I normally use a 13-pound Wolf. All I else I was a 14. I put that in, I'm like, yeah, this is still way too light. This isn't, I knew, I want this heavier than, like, the guns I'm using in matches. So I put in the factory uh, Tanfolio Hammer Spring, which is, I don't know, like 18 or 20 or something. It's, like, super heavy. The trigger probably, the double action's probably another five or six pounds heavier. Anyway, uh... I just thought i would see what happens it's it's january i don't really have any consequences for doing stuff that's dumb and it's actually been kind of interesting training with this gun for the last couple weeks um it's definitely made me a lot more conscious of grip pressure because the sights move a lot when pressing the trigger with a bad grip since the trigger is so heavy it's maybe i don't know eight pounds double action something like that it's smooth cool. but it's like it's super heavy something maybe seven i don't know it's it's seven or eight. it's plenty heavy so the first week or so of of training, I was like pressing the trigger slower in DA because I had to like roll the trigger more or apply pressure back, because otherwise the sights, you know, would go crazy. And uh, after a few weeks now, like I was messing with it earlier tonight or dry firing, I don't really even notice a difference and I'm actually pretty quick with it. So I just kind of like got used to the gun and uh, I pulled the regular stock two out of my safe actually earlier tonight. And it's just like, it was crazy how, like it feels very nice and very light, but it's like super reasonable to pop primers. Um, so anyway, I don't have anywhere super interesting to go with it other than obviously a dry fire training gun should have a heavier trigger if you can than your main gun if you have more than one gun. And uh, for this one, like training with a heavier trigger has made me pay attention to a lot of stuff that maybe I wouldn't pick up on as much with a, with a really nice nice setup gun. So it's been a good thing, and this will just stay as a dr- dedicated dry fire gun, and uh, I plan to just leave the super heavy factory mainspring in it.
1: I've actually done the same thing when I cracked one of my Berettas.
0: Did you really? Yeah. What did you what did you observe, Ben? Same thing or different?
1: Um, it, yeah, it's like you said, you just you really focus up on trigger control. Mhm. Um, and the only thing that the only downside is you do you feel a lot of pressure from the trigger. Uh-huh. So you get used to a lot of feedback on your finger, and then when you're shooting your match trigger that you know that that sense of feedback from the trigger is not there. I could see that. So you might experience
0: that. Uh, I definitely had to like Originally, it was really easy to clamp down hard with my firing hand because I needed so much more weight to operate the trigger. And so that was actually a really good, like a really good exercise for me to be like, no, just like just press the trigger with the with the amount of force needed, but not clamping down with my whole firing hand. And then obviously, if my support hand's like not clamped on the gun hard, the gun's going to move during dry fire because the gun's got a super heavy, like not nice trigger on it now. So anyway, right. it's It's the off season. I have no consequences and I kind of like learning stuff. So. Uh, This has been a win, and I plan to just leave the gun like that.
1: Okay. Awesome. Mr. Bill, you have a show and tell? I do have a show and tell. It is,
2: uh, got it here in my hot little hands. It is a paper towel roll. Oh, baby. Is this a dot occlusion thing? What are we doing? It is a dot occlusion thing. Oh, no. Everybody's got to weigh in on it, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it seems. Uh, So... I mean, I've talked to a lot of people locally that are like, why do you have tape on your dot? It doesn't make any sense. And uh, the easiest way I've had to explain it is to be like, look, it's like when you're a little kid, you took a paper towel roll, you put it up against your eye and you put your hand right next to it. And there's a, with both eyes open, you see a hole in the hand in front of the eye that doesn't have the paper towel roll in front of it. And, uh, it's it's like the the light bulb goes off and it's like, you know, I knew that worked. That was how that worked, you know, thirty years ago when I was a little kid, but it they they don't make the connection between that between that and what's happening with the occluded dot.
0: Very nice. Uh, so you're obviously actually
1: you're a, a great way to explain
0: it. I like that. So build it back up, you're a CO guy, and I'm guessing you prac you have your dot occluded normally during training. Uh,
2: well, no, I'm a production guy, and everybody is shooting Co. so oh, all right. uh, I I'd, feel yeah. I mean, the last batch, uh, there were like two people here at the local match shooting production. That's so uh, I mean if I stick it, stick out in production a little bit longer, I'll win.
0: <laughs> it does disappoint yeah, me i'm a production joke. guy too i like that yeah
1: yeah that's what you do it joel
0: mm-hmm. tell me more no i like that that's a good way to explain it
3: so we're, we're quick i'd like to weigh in on that also might as well right yeah. mm-hmm. so the first time i shot with uh with ben um he's like dude you're following the dot I'm like what do you mean He's like, you're staring at the dot and following the dot from target to target. Stop doing that. And I still didn't get it. Finally, he's like, dude, take the shit out of that dot. All right. I taped the dot and I found all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, (laughs) talk about a major difference. Now, you know, so I've been dry firing probably for about two months with tape on my dot. And now I'm going from point to point from my eyes are focusing on a specific point on the target from target to target to target. And the dot just automatically follows, as opposed to watching the dot go from target to target. I mean, it made a huge difference. You know, I even shot a match with it, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm co- able to call my shots better. I'm able to see the targets better. I, I, it's incredible difference. I mean, I mean, I, there's a couple of guys in my club that now put tape on it, have never taken it off. <laughs> you know, we in the early in the mornings we have issues with uh, the sun at some in some of the bays in our club. And like dude the dot doesn't get washed out I could see everything it, it's an unbelievable difference so I'm just telling you personal experience I, I've I've experienced it for myself oh,
1: awesome. I, I try to explain this to people and they don't want to they don't want to get it
3: I, I mean you know the some of the uh, some of the things I heard was you know you want to be able to see everything and that's why they put so much money investing it in the glass and you got a bigger field of view and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, but what good is it if I can't focus on the target and I'm following that dot around? You yeah, know, so I don't know. It works for me. Useful training tool. Well, yeah, yes.
1: it is. It's what you it's what you needed. It, not everybody needs it, but you needed it. it yes, absolutely. It's the easiest way for you to. to and, get I, the and I
3: didn't I didn't get it until I put tape on the dot. That was the other issue yeah Yeah, i can't see myself doing it you know ben picked it up right away he saw exactly what i was doing and i still didn't realize it and i'm trying not to do it and i'm but i was still doing it until i put tape on that dot and then it totally changed
0: Ben, i mean what do we always say ben like there's nothing new in shooting you're just saying the same things different ways well i thought this was like something new and interesting and then i've had a bunch of like there was a special forces guy telling me that they uh they did those with like the same type of principle of acogs they did it with you know whatever uh you know, for their yeah. purposes. No, it was, it was
1: common in rifle
0: training. Still very common, yes. And then uh, homeboy Henning Walgren was telling me also, he's a super squad level guy uh, shooting open division, but they were doing it with their red dots back in, it was like 90s, early 90s. So guys from back in the day, apparently were doing that too. So it's it's nothing new, it's been around for a while. But anyway, I'm the same way, it helped me a lot.
3: Yeah, and I gotta tell you, it, it, it transfers over to a lot of things. You know, my club, we shoot a whole bunch of different disciplines. You know, we shoot rifle, NRA rifle silhouette, we shoot, uh, Bianchi Cup Fallen Plate matches, and I shot a uh, NRA silhouette match, and all of a sudden, without even thinking about it, halfway through the match, I realized I'm staring at a speck of paint on the metal animal. Where before, I'm watching the dot sitting there, you know, doing this. Now, mm-hmm. I'm just focusing on that tiny speck of paint right in the middle of the animal. And I didn't even realize I was doing it until halfway through the match. It was like, holy shit. And I didn't even think about it anymore. How was your score? Uh, it went up, actually. I came in second in that match.
0: You when I not. first started messing around with an LPVO on my carbines, uh, I noticed I was watching, like, staring at the crosshair also. It seems like it was just easier to do with that. Even when I turn on, like, the the illuminated reticle, it's got a dot in the center. It's very easy for, maybe it's just me or most people, for rifle shooting. It's very easy to, like, stare at the crosshair as stare opposed at that to yes. look at where you actually want to hit. So i kind of right. trying to, you know, open up my eyes, so to speak, and yes. then just let the dot float where I want it to go as opposed to staring at the crosshair and trying to move the cross here to where I want to hit.
1: Yep. All right. Good. Well, let's move on. Mr. Frank, you have a, uh, I think you have some club match stuff you want to talk
3: about. Yeah, I have a topic I want to talk about. So uh, it's uh, pretty cold uh, up here in New York. Uh, it's in the right now, it's <laughs> 20s and 30s. Not as cold as uh, where you guys are.
0: But, That's nothing. It was like yeah, 10, I know it's, 10 degrees here yesterday. I it understand. is currently
3: like right now, as I sit, it is minus six.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: Oh. Yeah.
3: I think he got uh, up to
1: 45 here
2: jealous.
1: today. I'm probably so, very sad about that number.
3: I, personally I mean, it could shooting. have been higher. Yeah, when I can't feel my hands, I can't shoot. It's mm-hmm. not fun. It's not enjoyable. So uh, I don't run any matches uh, when it's real cold out. So basically, we started back up again either March or April. But uh, in the meantime, while this is our off season, some of the things I was uh, thinking about, what makes a good local match that people want to come to? So I started asking, asking some of the guys that I talked to, and I got some interesting answers that I wanted to hear uh, your guys thoughts on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, one, the first one is uh, stage design, you know, which was pretty obvious to me. If you want real crappy stages, you know, standing in shoes, low round count, nobody's going to want to travel an hour, an hour and a half or two hours to get home to come to a really low round count match. You know, that's just not interesting. So, um, uh, I noticed since I started doing uh, some bigger stages, you know, mixing them in with you know the short courses, some interesting long courses with a lot of multiple options. You know, I actually got feedback from a bunch of the shooters where they said, "Hey, these stages are really great. You know, we don't have to travel, you know, two three hours to go to some of these other matches if you guys keep running stages like this." So I thought that was interesting. Um, one of the other comments that I got was um, the way they are treated at the match. So I was, that was interesting. I was like, uh, so what do you mean? Like, well, you know, if I go to a match and the, the match director or the people doing the sign up, if they're real dicks, I don't want to be there. I don't really want to shoot that match. You know, I mean, if my friends are there, you know, I'll go to, you know, to hang out with them and shoot with my friends. But you know what? If it's not a very uh, inviting atmosphere, I really don't want to be there. I don't want to go shoot that match. But I don't care how good it is or how big it is or how well they run it. I just don't want I just won't go. Yeah, I
0: can't can say blame them. Them. Yeah, me
3: neither. Uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I mean, you know, you only interact with them, you know, for a short period of time, usually before the match. Once the match starts, you don't really interact really with the match director or the guys running the match. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, that was an interesting comment, you know. And, uh, and of course, the social aspect. A lot of people like to go with their friends,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know. So, some of the other top-level shooters, they use a, a local match. Basically, it's just practice for the majors, you know. That, that's totally fine, understandable. You know, but the average, I think, C, B, A shooter, you know, they use these local matches as, you know, place to, you know, go with their friends, hang out, have fun, you know, and they don't take it as seriously, you know. So, if it's not a, a good atmosphere, they're not going to go. They're not going to show up. So, I, I mean, I think I'm doing a good job at it because, uh, you know, we started out, uh, we would get maybe 40, 40 people at our matches, and uh, the last match I had 80 people sign up. We had to start turning people away. It was waitlisted.
0: Well, Frank, if I could add my two cents as a competitor yeah. guy, the fact that you're actually soliciting feedback from people and considering making a change based on the feedback you get is probably a pretty good sign of why people want to go to your match. Okay, like just real talk, like if you're actually engaging with people and you want to know what they're interested in, and you're willing to make, you know, like the match to what they want. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, I mean that—that's kind of my goal, you know. I try yeah. to talk to the guys, you know. So I think some people feel intimidated, honestly. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. a very intimidating guy. Well,
1: but. because ninety percent. So how—how how do you react if somebody comes up to you, and they don't like? There's some problem with the way a stage is built. Yes. And, like and you're just, and they just well, like, hey, this is best stuff. Maybe maybe they're
3: not nice about it. Maybe they're an asshole about it, actually. But how do you react to those sort even, of situations? If they, even if they're an asshole about it, I try to address it. You know, I don't dismiss anybody. But see. So that like that puts you like into a very small percentage of
1: match director personalities because most of them do not react that way.
3: Well, that's that's a shame. Sounds I mean, weird to you, but yeah, it does sound weird to me because I yeah I don't do that. Even if they are an asshole, you know they're coming to my match. You know they drove or whatever significant distance to come and participate in my club at my match, and I re- take extreme pride in that. <laughs> you know, and even if they if they have any kind of complaint, I'm going to address it. You know, if I think it's bullshit, you know, I may tell them, hey, listen, I don't agree with that.
0: Sure. No, I mean, we need more people like that, though. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, As that's opposed- the key
1: thing. Like, that's the thing for me, because mm-hmm. when you go to a match and it's like. Whatever, there's an issue and then you say something about it, and it's like and it's like they don't like the guy's not having it. It's like, All right, cool.
0: Yep. And or if you get the answer, like, well, if you don't like it, you could do it yourself or something. It's like, yes. okay, Like, I don't. Why? Why you even ask me what I care? Yeah. Or I'll just like not talk to them anymore because they're like, like not really right. interested. Yes.
3: Yeah, that that's uh, that tends to be, I notice a, a popular answer. Well, you know, if you don't like it, you could just do it yourself. You know, yeah. it's a volunteer sport. Yeah, if you to don't like honest. it,
1: volunteer more. <laughs> be careful what you wish for, guys. The
0: problem, um, <laughs> I shouldn't say anything. The problem wasn't my What I'm seeing on the internet, there's people volunteering
1: it. to be area directors <laughs> left and right.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, guys, this was a cracker of a podcast. I do uh, thank you all for coming on. And, uh incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. Yes. Bill was Bill delivered in terms of the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> right. Listeners, if you have a question you'd like the answer to, go to BensterGo.com. Send me your questions. We always like to answer them.